Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. It's the Draft Deck NBA Draft Show on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. My name is Corey Tulliba. I'm the NBA Draft Dude, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert Garbage Time. Gim, Albert, what's good, brother? All is good. All is good. You know what's funny, Corey? We've been doing this pod for, like, two years now mm-hmm. and we always start off with the same question how you doing albert yeah and for whatever reason every single time i struggle to answer this question and i feel like i'm sitting you know at my therapist's office and i'm supposed to give you something <laughs> really deep but i'm doing well and i'm ready to rock it's the best i can give you today anytime anybody could respond with i'm ready to rock yeah. it's the correct answer <laughs> <laughs> well today um you know we have an interesting prospect that we're going to cover somebody that we didn't cover during the preseason uh and if you go back onto the draft act feed and you listen to some of the preseason episodes i think you know we kind of say like um when when we make reference of derek like we have some questions and that's why we had put off his um his episode and and we you know wanted to get as much film as we possibly could on him this year his season is now uh, officially over so it, it felt like the appropriate time to start to cover him um so Derek whitehead duke blue devils um freshman wing very young 18 years old this season he is going to be 18.88 years old on draft night uh he's listed at 66 to 20 um didn't find a reported wingspan but it definitely looks plus um this is where things get interesting with Derek. Uh, he played 20.6 minutes per game this season, averaged 8.3 points per game, 2.4 rebounds a game, one assist to 1.4 turnovers, uh, 0.8 steals, 0.2 blocks, shot 42.1% from the field, 42.9% from three, and 79.3% from the free throw line on one free throw attempt per game true shooting percentage of 54.8 per 14.1 bpm of 3.9 now some preseason draft stock for derek uh espn had him at 11 sb nation had him at eight basketball news had him at seven the athletic had him at 10 uh tankathon had him at 18 uh no ceilings at four sports illustrated at six uh he had an average price of seven Came in at six on the draft act IPO. Currently, ESPN had him 
has him at 24, the Athletic at 23, Tankathon at 26, Bleacher Report at 18, The Ringer at 24, No Ceilings at 26, Swish Theory at 16, average price of 22.4. He ranked number 20 on the February draft act update uh we will be releasing the march update soon and that's probably about where he's going to come in um on the next iteration of that so average price 22.4 albert is derek white uh whitehead stock price too high too low or is it just right um so on my latest big board on my own personal big board i had him at 23 um so if i were going off of that I would say just about right. The issue is um, due to us recording this pod, I went even deeper and I watched this tape a little bit more and I ended up a little bit lower than where I thought I was. So uh, if I gave you my honest answer in terms of where I am right now, I would say 22 is a little bit high for my taste. But if I go back, if I give you an answer based off of what my latest big board said, then it would be just right, which is a really nice uh, little preview into what I'm going to be sounding like during this pod. (laughs) You know, what's interesting is I kind of came away with the opposite impression in that i walked away a little bit higher okay. on Dariq than i was now to be fair i was pretty low um on Dariq through most of the process and i think a lot of it stemmed from the fact that i wasn't super high on him coming into the year even though i understood why somebody might be uh i just had questions now did Dariq answer those questions this year he did not, but there are some circumstances that may have led to, you know, the weird season. Uh, he dealt with a lower body injury um, that, you know, he missed a lot of the preseason. He came in, was trying to find his rhythm. We talked about how he's all he's already so young. Um, and then to have to come in on, on top of the youth to, you know, kind of find your footing in the middle of ACC play is is going to be tough for for anybody let alone somebody who's making the jump from high school to college and on top he looked a little bit heavy this year you know and i think with a a lower body injury i think you could chalk that up a little bit to the fact that it was probably hard for him to you know um work on his conditioning uh given the the nature of the injury and then you know he had another little you know setback injury wise um later on in the year he came back uh it, it was really shaky early on, and um, but I, I think ultimately going back through the film, just and I, I guess where I say I ended up a little higher. It depends on where you're at. If if you're somebody who thinks that Dariq is maybe the guy who he was projected to be in the preseason, I'm out. And and to me that that I'm low lower, yeah. you know. Yeah. But if he's a guy that maybe you can look at and be like, well, maybe he's going to play a role, something that he did do at Montverde when he wasn't the man, then maybe I could find myself being a little bit higher on him. But uh, I would say it's probably just right. And well, I don't know if I could get there. I would understand if somebody's taking a swing on him back backish end of the lottery through the 20th pick. I would get it. I don't know if I'm there but I get it. Sure. Sure. And I get that Corey. And I think ultimately what you just mentioned um, is going to weigh heavily in a lot of different areas of his game. 
Um, it had a big effect on his offensive game, the defensive game, like all over. So I, I really do think, depending on the evaluator, depending on the front office, depending on how they weigh all those factors. And yeah, I, I think the median outcome can be him going in like, you know, late teens, early 20s easily. Um, because of exactly what you said. And, and I think it really does come down to, Corey, what you said about the lens, right? What lens are you viewing his game through? Are you looking for a top 10 guy? Then I think you and I are very emphatically going to be out on him being a top 10 guy. However, if you're looking at him in a more defined role uh, as a supporting guy, as a guy who can play second fiddle, third fiddle, and be okay with that, then obviously the narrative and our perception of him is going to change pretty drastically. So I I'm there with you, man. I, I 100% agree, and I'm excited. Excited to get uh, into the nitty gritty of what he's about. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I think that um, <clears throat> all that's left is to to start getting into uh, a little bit of the film um, because, you know, I, I think, well, on the surface, Dariq's role was very limited this year, and I, I honestly think that worked to his benefit, especially given the, the context of his situation. But um, given that, I, I do think we can go fairly deep into the player he is. So I, I, I do have some high school tape. Um, I do have, uh, you know, a lot of the college tape. So, you know, we might go back and forth, mostly relying on on the college stuff. But um I mean, where are we starting? I would like to start with the shooting. And, and the reason why is because I had like a lot of questions that I wanted to throw at you um, as I did the deep dive of his shooting. I think there were so many different variables that went into why he looked the way that he did. But then also like, it's funny, Corey, you were going over like the raw numbers and him just shooting 43% from three this season on like three and a half, right? Per game or something is not freaking bad. So I, I like to start there. I, I had some questions. All right. So I, I think when we get into the shooting, like you said, 40, you know, plus percent from three. Uh, and when he came into the year, you know, early on it, it, he wasn't shooting it that well. So, you know, he really came on towards the end of the year. Uh, some numbers, 44% on catch and shoot shots, 51.4% on unguarded catch and shoot shots per synergy. Um, but this year he was really just a spot up guy. You know, he, <clears throat> he had some reps, maybe shooting uh, at a pick and roll here and there. It 
so he had some reps shooting here. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I think Corey uh, may have disconnected here. Um, we'll be right back. But just to kind of continue off of what Corey was saying, I think, um, you know, he was mostly just kind of shooting off the catch. And, oh, Corey's back. I'm back. back. Um, okay. Sorry. So, I don't know what happened. I got disconnected. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, as I was saying, he mostly spot up um, uh, some self-creation. But for the most part, it was a very simplistic shot diet. And I think that was really beneficial for him because I I think if he proved anything, it's that this dude can really knock down shots off the catch. And if we're looking at him from the context that he can come in and play a simplistic role as a role player off of other stars, I I think that there's a lot of reason for optimism because we know that shooting is a premium in the NBA and clearly he's pretty damn good at it. Right? So uh, I, I mean, this is a pretty heavily contested shot. I, I gave the numbers 51.4% on um, unguarded shots, 44% overall per synergy. This is, um, it's pretty smooth, man. I, and, and you know, shooting it confidently, hand in his face, letting it fly. And, and that corner spacing, I think, could be really valuable. So, Corey, for me, watching him shoot, um, watching his makes, it looks good. It really does. As you mentioned, it looks pretty. It's um, fluid, looks repeatable, all that stuff. My issue where, where, like, when I was watching, maybe it's not even an issue, but when I was watching him miss, um, it, I had a lot of questions about a couple of things. So the first thing that I wrote in my notes was on a lot of his misses, I felt like, so when he's making his shots, it seems like he's you know really set, really balanced going up. And then when he lands too, I feel like he comes down on both feet and it looks really good. On a lot of his misses, I felt like he was landing on one foot and kind of doing like the hopping thing afterwards. And I was wondering if that was like a body contortion thing uh, with his shot at the top. And then like, as he was landing was something happening there. Um, another question that I had was I felt like sometimes um, like that guide hand, instead of being at the side of the ball, I thought was kind of at the front of the ball. Um, and I was so this was a question for you wondering what type of effect that has um, on the shot, if any at all. Um, so yeah, let's start there. I, I had another question to follow up, but could we start there? Was uh, my question for me? The difference between his makes and misses are like the elevation that he gets. Okay. Like a lot of times, I feel like on his misses, he's like kind of flat-footed. He's not shooting in rhythm. He's not shooting on the hop. He's not shooting mm-hmm. off a of one-two. It's just kind of like barely getting any yeah. you know elevation and not generating a lot of power. And he shoots like a really high arcing ball. Um, So for me, that's the first problem. His hands can get wonky too. Mm -hmm. There's some inconsistencies when he's like not shooting it confidently. When, when he's missing it, it it does look like, has this guy ever shot the ball before? (laughs) Right? Like, um, but when it looks good, a a lot of that is kind of eradicated. So I do wonder sometimes, Cause there was more consistency in high school and obviously like that's a step below. So you're, you're, it's going to look better at that level for a guy like him. Um, but I, I do wonder, uh, you know, like if a lot of the inconsistencies with his shot was just like trying oh, yeah. to catch up to the speed of the game and figuring out how much space he needed, how much time. And if he can go through his full release, I mean, mm. you know, this one actually like, <laughs> it looks a, a little bit smoother than some of his misses yeah. and he gets decent elevation. It's just some of his misses. He really clanks 
Uh, you know, like yeah. it, it just doesn't always shoot show a ton of touch, like as soft as it, it looks when it goes in. Um, but at the end of the day, it got to a point throughout the season where I almost felt like if he was spotting up, you know, and this one is off movement and he didn't do a ton of that at Duke yeah. this year, but going back through the film, he did a little bit more of that um, at, uh, at Mont Verde. Yeah. So, uh, I felt like the shots were going to go in when it left his hand. So like, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of react too much um, and think that he doesn't have like the movement stuff in his bag as well. And, and it, a lot of it just like, him getting used to his his heavier body mm -hmm. um i i don't know i think a lot of there was a lot of factors as to why some of the misses looked clunky even though i do think that some of the misses were self-inflicted just based on maybe some of the shots that he isn't really that capable of knocking down consistently yeah no i that was another thing that i wrote down here i felt like sometimes his shot selection was kind of nightmarish um, I thought at times that he really kind of sped himself up, but I think Corey, like you mentioned, that could just be an adjustment type of thing where he was getting adjusted, as you mentioned, right to his body, uh, adjusted to his injury whole situation, right. Coming back from that, uh, the college game, it, it just, once again, like as I was watching him shoot, it just felt like there are so many different factors that were playing into what we were watching. Um, I also felt like sometimes Corey on his misses that it felt like he was shooting on his, on the way down. Mm. um was another thing that i noticed that yeah it's, it's pretty common um something that you see kind of all the time I and mean, that was kind of one of my critiques with quentin grimes when he's coming out um i felt like at times yeah. he was shooting on the way down so it, it's not something that can't be fixed it's just i, I don't know the more i watched it the more i felt like it it, it was just felt like a lot of adjusting to different things and and, and Corey, another thing is off the dribble it was just was really hard to watch for me at times so yeah, I, I like the point about him kind of shooting on the way down or they're kind of like even on this clip and, and Julian Phillips, very good defender. He's yeah. kind of all over. Him. He's got a lot of length. Um, and, and this is kind of, you know, show some of the self-creation like uh, inefficiencies that he has. But he he kind of like at his peak. I don't know if he's shooting on the way down necessarily, but he's pausing at his peak instead of yeah. like letting it fly like in one motion, there's like a slight, it's not a hitch necessarily, but it's like a delay. And mm -hmm. that's when you mentioned Quentin Grimes, Grimes has that sometimes. And it kind of leads to a lot of the times it's like, it ends up short or, or whatever. And you're just like, like a, like a point one second quicker on the release. It'd be, it'd be cash. Uh, so I, I do think that there's something to that. And then when he does get a little bit, too creative um <clears throat> that's when you know we start to go uh, i don't know about this and i i think it most i don't think there was a lot from behind the arc yeah. this season because he didn't have yeah. that freedom like he did at montverde but when he got yeah, into some of the mid-range stuff yeah. it was just like that man this what are we doing Corey, this was the exact play that i highlighted that i wrote down in my notes that i wanted to go over for me, it was just look who's guarding him. Like, I no disrespect to this guy, but I, I mean, he this I don't feel like I, I feel I don't know. Just watching this, I was like, man, he's really struggling to create separation to get by him. And this is a tough shot, and it doesn't look very pretty. It doesn't he doesn't look comfortable at all. A couple chip chicken wings thrown in there too, and I'm just like, I wasn't very excited. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you know, 
Virginia Virginia players are usually pretty strong defenders fundamentally. Yeah. The the guards doing a good job moving his feet. Yeah. But ultimately, and I don't know if you want to chalk it up to Dariq just doesn't have the burst because of the injury, or you want to chalk it up to he doesn't have the creativity with his handle, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of the big problem with him is that his handle's really loose. So when we're yes. talking about him as a self-creator, self-generator, a guy who could be a three-level scorer it's it's kind of concerning um and he just you know on this specific play like he's going to he's got to settle for this weird turnaround and and it's it's ugly and it's this play in particular it's not like the shot clock's expiring it's it's just it's a bad shot and you know we've seen and, and this is recent you know what i mean it's not even like we could chalk this up to him trying to find his footing um coming into the year of returning from the injury. Right. So I I think one, his court awareness as well, like even on this, which is, you know, a fairly simple shot. um, He's not dancing with the ball. He's not doing a whole lot. Uh, It's one step inside the three point line and settling for a really highly contested shot. And it's just like one, I think those are going to be eliminated at the next level. Cause I, I I don't think he's going to be this, this crazy, um, bucket getter who just is given the keys. There's too much talent in the league. There's too many guys, even if he gets drafted, you know, towards the twenties that are going to f- have that role. Um, but it, for me, if he, if he does eliminate these and he sticks to his strength, which is shooting the three ball, um, you know, off, off the catch, I, I think there's a, a, a legit path for him. And, and even when he keeps it simple, like it, for for me, like he should have like king of the court principles where it's like if I can't do something in three dribbles or less, mm. I shouldn't do it. Mm. Right. Like this is pretty nice. Yeah. You know, like this was recent. Um, in from the tournament, he faces up on the, the right wing, a, a little jab step, and just to create a, a little bit of space and knockdown, shooting it confidently. And yeah. and he he looked pretty confident in some of these games in, in the tournament and towards the end of the year. Like He's a keep it simple, stupid kind mm-hmm. of player for me. Yeah, yeah. And no, I, but also Corey, like I just want to come back. Just watching this clip right now, like look at his balance. Like it mm-hmm. feels so much more balanced coming off this shot. And that's the thing with me that bothers me so much when I watch him come off the dribble. When he starts to create off the dribble and shoot off the dribble, his feet just go. Like he does not have the same balance at all. And I feel like a lot of that can be from that lack of lower body strength right now. Whether it's he's just always kind of been like a weaker guy. Once again, that he's he's landing so balanced there but it, it i just feel like whether it's the injury or he's just got to get stronger in his lower half it's he, when he's all coming off the dribble a lot of times that balance is just not there his feet are all over the place and he just with, without his feet under him it's hard to have the stability and the consistency to hit these shots all the time and you talked about it Corey, off the dribble too like the create creativity's not there he doesn't have a lightning quick first step um, as you mentioned, he, he I don't want to use the word pudgy, but he did add some some weight here and it doesn't look like he added like muscle, but he did just kind of add a little bit of weight. And, and I think all that matters. And I feel like, you know, when you don't have that balance under you and you don't have that type of creation ability, then you are going to get some pretty gnarly looking misses like like you've shown. Yeah. And and but I mean, 43 <laughs> percent. Yeah, it comes down to the shots started going in at a high clip. And this is another, like, he is 
I he, I think he is going to be a guy who can run some basic pick and roll. Mm. Now his handle we mentioned is is pretty loose and something I noticed which I'm not sure why coaches were game planning on having their guards go under screens on yeah. uh, with Tariq um but they consistently did and I don't know why. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case at the next level, especially because when we get into some of like the in-between stuff, I don't, and, and the rim attacking stuff, I don't love it, but um, just judging his, his shooting base, like you said, balanced lands um, with both feet at the same time. The shot is moving synergistically. There's no hitch or pause at the top. Right. And it looks smooth. I mean, dead on. Bam. So I, I mean, I, I don't think I I can deny that the dude can shoot the rock and and if he could shoot the rock it's a it's a valuable skill and while he is maybe a little heavy the dude's frame yeah, is yeah. pretty legit yeah for an 18 year old kid with length I mean that thing's gonna fill out and I I mean there's a lot to you know potentially talk yourself into. Um, with a guy like Derek, and you know, there's a reason why he was so highly heralded coming in. Um, and, and again, I don't think he's that player necessarily, but you don't, you know, you don't get ranked that high for no reason. Yeah, yeah, no, but Corey, like this exact clip that you're showing right now is that's the that's the stuff that'll get people thinking, right? That'll get people yeah. dreaming, like gift oh, and a curse. This clip's mm, a gift, gift and a curse, hundred percent. Because like this for me was not the norm for him. Like you, anytime he started dribbling, like as I was going through his film, every start, time he took like more than two or three dribbles, I'm like, okay, what type of clank am I getting here, or is it going to be all air? This is not the norm. But at the same time, like the other side of the coin is like you start thinking, hey, if this is in his bag, then what's his ceiling looking like? Right. It's how <laughs> yeah. people may interpret this type of move. So I I'm with you 100 percent, Corey. And then also my issue with him that you brought up is like just sometimes like time, like sometimes there's like 15 to 20 seconds left on the clock and he's taking like crazy contested yeah. shots. The one that you showed before with Isaiah Wong all over him for me, what stuck, stuck out to me was Isaiah Wong wasn't even worried about him blowing by him. He was all up in his space and was like, dude, like you can try whatever hell, whatever move you want to, I'm going to be right here. And he wasn't phased at all and was all up in his airspace. And I was like, okay, so Isaiah Wong has been watching tape and he knows that Derek Whitehead isn't going to blow by him. And for me, like, I, I just feel like NBA defenders, they're going to read that and be like, hey, kid, you can dribble all you want. But if you're not taking a corner three point shot, I'm going to lock you down is what I think a lot of pro defenders are going to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I tend to agree. I, I, I think a lot of times when he starts dribbling, he doesn't know what he's going to do. He's yeah. trying to improvise. And uh, I mean, especially in college where there's a, a lot of times a, a cramped court, like you can get yourself in trouble. And, and, and this is kind of the, the next aspect is, as to why he's fallen down boards, why there's a little bit reason to worry. And and again, I went back and watched a lot of Montverde film today. And a lot of the signs were there that in this little in-between area, he just doesn't really have a lot of touch. Now he's got the the confidence and uh, the pedigree to get these shots off, but there's a, a, a difference in somebody who can get these shots off and somebody who can make them. And at the NBA level, NBA coaches who value their jobs want guys who are going to make them not, not take these. And, and, and part of it is um, why I think there's a lot of struggles. And I mean, this is kind of like an awkward jumper 
and, and again, Miami's athletic team, Isaiah Wong is, you know, guy moves well. He's strong. He's long. He's just afraid of contact. And I think yeah. that shows up in the, the one free throw attempt per game that, that he's taken. Uh, and, and a lot of that, again, he's, he's spotting up, um, but he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't go to the Remy. He shies away from, from contact that that's, that's kind of, and a lot of people are like, he's, you know, he's, uh, injured this year and that's why he lost a lot of the bounce and why maybe the finishing is, is kind of bad. But I just think it's one, the touch and two, it's the, him being adverse to, to seeking out, out contact. Um, and, and, you know, we'll show some Montverde clips too, uh, positive and negative. I think his bounce was kind of overrated. Like a lot of people want to talk about him as if he was like high school, AJ Griffin, who was like kind of a guy who was recklessly jumping in the air with like just reckless abandon. Tariq wasn't really like that. Like he had a few posters, but they were more so few and far between. And when he had like a ton of runway to really go and get up. Um, But him being a guy who consistently, shied away from from that contact is kind of his defining feature when he's attacking the rim to me Corey, in terms of hit in terms of him as a vertical athlete it reminded me so much of shabazz muhammad when he was in high school um <clears throat> the reason why i bring that up is if you go back and watch any of those ball is life hoop mixtape videos of shabazz muhammad the first three minutes of every one of his mixtapes was him doing some sort of like between the legs dunk or windmill <laughs> like during like pregame warmups and stuff and like there was this weird misconception that shabazz muhammad was like gonna be a good athlete and he just wasn't and watching Derek whitehead i was like dude this guy is not getting up like at all um mm. what and even there dude there were a couple where he just had like a free runway to the rim and he just completely clanked it and missed dunks because he wasn't getting yeah. high enough and, and i get it once again like there's an easy excuse that people are going to use he had a lower half injury but my thing is like it just it didn't look like that was the whole story like i think this is the one right here yeah, yeah. it's like fr- just completely then a big crazy. moment too yeah exactly dukes up one on a breakaway with a minute left against right college yeah and there was another one too with like yeah free, he, free. he like the ball like flew yes. out of the air yeah yes. it was uh it didn't even get like um it wasn't even considered a, yeah. a dunk like in like synergies system or, or instat or whatever because it like ended up being kind of looking uh crazy <laughs> um but uh i mean I, i'm worried about that i am i am i'm worried about him being uh overrated um you know and and i think when people talk about his high school tape they look at moments like this where open side of the court a couple of dribbles and throws it down. Grady Dick is there. He's not afraid of Grady Dick contesting yeah. at the rim, right? Like sunrise against Sunrise Christian uh, catches on the left wing, beats his guy off the bounce, and uh, gets up. And when you when you pause it at its peak, Derek is he's got his head at the rim, right? He yeah. the, this is a powerful dunk. I mean, you you pause it right there. Looks sick. It looks sick, right? Like, and but it's 
a little bit of of fool's gold because he's not constantly attacking downhill with a head of steam with an empty runway. And if you want to talk about um, how that is what he was like in high school, but ignore, you know, clips like this where he's trying to go up under and through and avoid contact, not go into it. You know, like this is in transition. He's got a runway. Um, you know, like, hey, just at, I know Jarris Walker's there, and we love Jarris as a defender. He is an intimidating man. I would probably do the same thing. But for somebody who we're, we're trying to figure out if um, this is something to be concerned about or not, right, like with a, a high-ranking prospect, I want that guy to, to try to, like, put one through you. Another play against IMG tries to go high off the glass, doesn't want to draw contact, and like doesn't even hit the rim here going to his left. So, you know, th- these are high school clips where you go, all right, well, a lot of this looked similar in college. You know, like this is a, this isn't unique. It wasn't necessarily the injury. It's this is kind of what he was like at Duke. Um, and, and I, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see it here. He just has like bad touch and he doesn't want to be aggressive all the time. This is early in the season. So maybe you could chalk it up to that. I, I just see a pattern and, and that's why I'm concerned um, with, with, you know, this aspect of his game. No, I mean, Corey, I could, I literally could not agree with you anymore. I, I will say though, that there were some times like when he had uh said runway that, you know, I felt like the touch wasn't terrible. He had a couple left-hand finishes where I was like, oh, all right, like, cool, not bad. Um, But overall, like I'm with you. Like it just, it, the, the, the lack of the vertical pop, also the desire to avoid all that contact like even that up and under one that you showed before like he wasn't very high off the ground like here's the one that yeah he made left hand finish this this was pretty popular on twitter right a couple months ago um but like yeah he had a couple good left hand finishes but overall like if you're always veering away from contact then yeah you're gonna have some trouble finishing and um i just i don't have much to add to it Corey, because like he just the vertical pop is not what it was advertised to be. And him just avoiding contact like that is just always going to make it more difficult. I, I don't think he has the worst touch around the rim. Um, he did flash it at times, but overall, like it wasn't much to write home about. Like some of the stuff, like just just from like the three, four clips you showed before, those are hideous, man. Those are like actually really, really bad. So they're concerning. I, I, I think sometimes you just got to call it as it is. But I think this clip where he's, you know, kind of coming off like a quick pitch, yeah. you know, handoff type action from the sideline where, you know, and if he's going to be spacing the floor, that's that's going to be where he's he's starting sets. I think this is how he gets downhill and is able to take advantage of it um, in a way that's beneficial for a team where you're, you kind of got him attacking with momentum so he doesn't have to, you know, blow by his defender off a of first step or whatever. Right. Um, and he could use some of that downhill momentum to maybe, you know, get to the rim a little bit more efficiently. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he had moments uh, for sure. You know, like it, even I think this one set, uh, you know, Twitter on on fire because it was like this is when his first game, I think that he was really cooking um, and, you know, he he put somebody on a poster. This is one of his two dunks on the year. And he's only he only had two dunks. So, you know, at a guy with his at his size, with his measurements, his length, 
Um, and again, lower body injury. So chalk it up to that. I'm sure he'd have more if, you know, he, he came in fully healthy. Uh, and, and this is the kind of stuff where you go, okay, like little cross, like smooth little space, but you know, end of the second half and a blowout too. So time and against, stuff. you know, uh, not the most competitive team in college basketball. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. But these are the kind of things that are going to get people going like, that's the Dariq I knew. And to be honest, I just don't think that's the real Dariq. I mean, that, that's that's the trouble with highlight culture, Corey. Uh, we've been talking mm. about it this whole this whole podcast. Like if you if you want to nitpick, then you can nitpick if you want to, you know, over aggrandize certain things. And th- that's going to happen, too. Like if you just pull that clip in a vacuum and just say, look at this. And mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to get excited. But Corey, you just said it yourself. Like, look at the score. Look at the time. He was feeling himself in this game. He's got more confidence. He feels more, you know, it, he wasn't really afraid for who was waiting for him at the rim. Then, yeah, he's going to try different things. But we're talking about the NBA. Like, this is the this is now the 1% of basketball. And I, I just, I, I think it's it's crazy to think that he's going to do that on the next level on a consistent level. And I really do think where like someone might even say like, bro, like Jalen Williams didn't have that many dunks in college. Like, but look what he's doing now in the league. It's like, it's not comparable. It's we're talking about two completely different players. And and Corey, just going back to your point, I I know he's me- he's measured at six six, but for me, I thought he looked even smaller. I thought he was. You think maybe, so? Yeah, and this could just be me. Um, I thought he clo- looked closer to like six five, um, which is only an inch. Jesus, relax, Albert. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he's listed at six seven on Duke's website. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, just, which I, I'm I not. He looked a little smaller. I'm not seeing six seven. If he was six five, I wouldn't be totally shocked because I think that a lot of guys that are listed at six five are probably more like six three and a half, six four. Um, but I, I do think his, he looks like he's got pretty good size on him to the point where I'm like for an 18 year old with, you know, at the the height and the length, I'm not concerned. Now, this is the last thing I want to talk about regarding his finishing before we kind of move on to an area of his game where I was like pleasantly surprised. Uh, and it's something that I wish I saw a little bit more often, but uh, an area where I think that you could really, um, he can really do some damage based off of, you know, when, when, he loses guys off the ball. I want to see him take advantage of like cutting more often off the ball, Mm -hmm. you know? And and I know that, you know, maybe based on his role, uh, him being, you know, probably the best floor spacer that Duke had, like, you know, maybe they don't want him doing it all the time, but uh, any opportunity that he can get where he can kind of, um, you know, get easy points. I, I think that he, he needs to do it. Um, so, I don't know. I want to see more movement cutting off the ball. And and I think we saw a little bit more of that at Montford, so it could just be role dependent, but um, ultimately, you know, something I'm looking for. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Corey. And really quickly, just like, you could tell he doesn't really trust his lower half here in this clip, too, just with the way. Yeah, he doesn't get elevation. Exactly. And he's like, even the way he lands, like, that's what I look like right now, (laughs) you know, coming down from a layup, you know? So I I, I get it. I, I totally understand. Yeah, but what I will say um, is I kind of was pleasantly surprised by his playmaking and his passing. And when you look at the number, yeah, you go one assist, negative assist to turnover ratio, right? Like, what are you actually getting excited about? Um, but when I look at his role and think, all right, he's not going to be a high usage guy, but can he take advantage 
of certain situations um, and, you know, kind of make plays based off his strengths, I kind of got a, a little bit encouraged. You know, this is pretty easy, but attack the closeout, get into the paint, hit your roll, man. It's There's nothing super complicated here, but guys are going to run out at him. And, you know, he does a nice job of kind of right before the the help in the paint. He avoids the charge and, you know, he's able to dump it off and and get his big and an easy bucket. Yeah. No, Corey, I'm with you. I, it was kind of baffling at times to see, like, how he struggled so much with, like, court awareness when he had the ball in his hands. And then, like, you see a play like this where, as you mentioned, like, he kind of executes it perfectly. Um, I wanted to throw in a PS, though. Watching Derek and like a lot of the points he scored, I was like, "Damn, Mark Mitchell's like throwing dimes, <laughs> like pretty consistently." I was like, like really happy with how many of Derek's wide open looks were coming from Mark Mitchell, like you know, skip passes and stuff. And I was like, "Damn, that's pretty nice." But um, yeah, I'm with you. His passing was definitely better than I thought it was going to be. And, and when I look at passing, I look a lot of like little nuanced stuff. And like, I think this is a good example here. Um, you know, he kind of gets blitzed a little bit hard hedged, uh, and you know, lively misses, um, because the, uh, big recovers back to him in time. Uh, and Tariq's handle is a little sloppy, but like he's tall and strong, so he's not going to necessarily get like moved. Um, and he doesn't panic when, when guys come at him and he places the ball really high where lively can catch it high. Lively brings it down, which is one of the reasons, uh, I, I think he, he doesn't get an easy basket here, but I really liked the, you know, the ball placement overall and just kind of like the pace and the feel a lot of times. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, there are, t- you know, he had more turnovers than assists. His, uh, so there were times where it did look like a little bit sped up like he was premeditated in what he was going to do but ultimately i think there was a lot of reason to actually be encouraged by some of the plays he was capable of making um whether that was like fitting passes into like a tight window in transition uh which like this is a pretty nifty pass you know in stride good ball placement, good timing. Uh, and, and, and the, the, like, I don't know, it's, there's something there and, and it comes back to, he doesn't have the handle to, to kind of carry the load of being like a high usage creator. And, and when he does do that, he more often than not is kind of looking to, you know, score. But when I look at him in, uh, the context of like how he could be used at the next level, passes like this where he's kind of coming off like a little Miami action and is able to like make plays again. Great pass to his role, man. Oh, yeah. There's some, there's something there uh, catches high, you know, or throws the ball high for his big mm-hmm. so he can catch high and, and you know, go straight yeah. up there. There's something there. No, it's good touch. It's really good touch on this play. I just feel like, yeah. Like Corey, I, I think the point you made, though you kind of threw that in there but it's the handle really kind of betrays him at times and even if this type of vision and this ability is there i just feel like sometimes like he just can't get the ball straight and situated where he can throw these types of passes and so if he can just tighten up that handle i think that'll really help him on so many different levels on the offensive side of the ball but i'm not going to argue with you like this was an aspect of his game that i wrote in my notes too i was like some decent looks here and for me, I think with his handle, it's the left hand. Mm. 
when he's getting to his strong hand downhill, and maybe this is something that you know an offense will utilize where you can put him in actions where mm-hmm. he's driving, you know, down the middle with a strong hand. Um, the pacing is much better. He's much more confident. Uh, you could you could see like the hesitations, a little pound dribble, like yeah, like you know he didn't get an assist here, but it's a beautiful shot created for uh, Jeremy Roach. So, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of funny that you know we've gone forty minutes on Dariq's offense when his role was so limited this year. But I think when we look at him from an NBA draft perspective, there is a little bit of creativity and imagination that you need to kind of bring to the table, right? Like, um, so we have to dissect a lot of little things and, and the little micro details. And you're either going to buy into some of those flashes or you're going to kind of be a believer in the more overarching theme is that maybe he wasn't capable of contributing more. I mean, look for as good as he was 43% from three, he shot lower than that overall. Yeah. So, you know, like the finishing concerning the in-between stuff, whether it's floater, whether it's the the mid-range shots, the shot selection, there's a lot of stuff that you kind of got to be like, look, man, I know that you were the guy um, at Montverde your senior year, but we need you to be the guy who maybe you were your sophomore and junior year. And if he buys into that, I do think that there's something pretty interesting there. But Corey, ultimately, the point that you're making that I think needs to be kind of, you know, brought up again is we're talking about about a guy with like pretty serious pedigree. You know, he's a Montverde guy, highly touted coming into college, high expectations. And of course, like we're, we're going to have to get into why he had the season that he had. I mean, the Ron, he, had, he averaged eight points a game. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not what people were expecting. And coming into college, he was kind of like a consensus top 10 guy. And then he had the season that he did. And now when we look at his future outlook, right. And the, the type of player that we can kind of envision him being in the NBA is just not that player. And yet we don't want to go so far because we're just not there where we'd start saying like, Oh, the guy's going to be bad. Like, I just think we just have to kind of recalibrate our expectations for the type of player that he's going to be. And it, when you start to recalibrate and you see who he actually is and what his real strengths and weaknesses are, then you can have a more objective conversation. But once again, just coming from where he came and, you know, with the pedigree that he had, I think people definitely had some higher expectations for him. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. Shout out to everybody watching live on YouTube. Uh, Unhandy train says rip. I don't know if that's a, uh, comparison to Rip Hamilton when we were talking about the movement shooting. I don't know. <laughs> no, that that came on uh, when you uh, when you f- f- dropped out for a second. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, all right. That, that was when I lost connection. Um, Reg Dallas says, "How do you feel about Derek being a Tim Hardaway Jr. type of player?" We're gonna get into our comps um, a little bit later in the show. Uh, I don't personally have him as a Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, in my comps. I don't know if you do, Albert, but. Uh, I, I could see that path for him. Uh, Gregory Castillo says watching Derek makes me want to go watch old Daniel Ewing film. Um, so interesting name right there. Uh, again, if you, if you're watching live, appreciate you rocking with us, make sure you uh, hit the like button while you're here. And uh, if you're listening to this post live recording on Spotify or Apple or your podcast platform, Thank you for being with us. Um, let's uh, let's transition to his defense. What were your overall impressions about him on that side of the ball? Because he does have pretty good physical tools to be a defender. Yeah. Um, 
so, so yes, Corey, he does have the physical tools <laughs> to be a good defender. The problem is like most of what I watched was bad. Um, yeah. Was what I I have to say that, and I and I don't want to be like like really harsh, but like okay, some of my early notes here like caught flat footed a lot. Like a lot of him just moving around the court, super flat-footed, wasn't really happy about it. Um, didn't love uh, some of the off-ball stuff. Sometimes mm-hmm. he was like completely zoning out where he has a moment where he looks back to the corner, his man is gone, and you see him have like a mini panic attack. All right. Um, let's, let's, sorry, okay. l- let's pull that one up. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't even, you know, to be fair, I don't even know. And and before we go into that one, you know, uh, the, the clip that's been playing yeah. um, on the stream is Turk kind of blew by him at will. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't necessarily make him pay that often, yeah. uh, but he was able to, to blow by him all the time, going back to how heavy footed he could be at times. Um, I, I think there's something going on. I think Duke um, Shire is like just absolutely hacking our system and doesn't want us to bash on Derek. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, maybe that goes back to him being heavy footed. Yeah. Uh, let me pull up the him losing his man off all again. Uh, I, I don't know if this was the, the same possession that you were thinking of, but he literally just is like, there's like a four second gap where, uh, <laughs> He loses the shooter uh, against Iowa. This is early on in the year. So, you know, I, I, him but, catching up to the speed of the game, not realizing like, oh, I can't do this again because these are college players who are going to hit these shots. It's not me at Montverde. But, but Corey, I have to say, like, that's okay. But he did it against Tennessee, too. So in that Tennessee mm. game, he had one where he was <laughs> completely yeah. lost. And I was like, come on, bro. Like, this can't be a big – like, because, Corey, this is what I was thinking – you and I on this pod, we say this line a lot where we're like, hey, you know, they're kids, they're 18, they're going to lose people off ball, which is like, which then made me think like, okay, if that's the standard we're going to set, where if you're like 20 and under and we're just going to allow you to be bad off ball, then the guys who are good off ball really deserve like the <laughs> Nobel Prize or something <laughs> because some of these guys are terrible. And I thought Derek really struggled off ball at times. And um, even his screen navigation stuff, I'm like, yeah. sometimes he's competing and he's getting around. And sometimes he's literally just trying to barrel through guys or he's like so shocked by the screen. He'll get stuck like, a lot. He gets stuck a lot. Really bad, dude. So wanted to highlight that a little bit. Yeah, this is kind of the good and the bad because he does kind of get hit by the screen and like he should be stepping over and kind of cheating it. But he, he is here able to kind of recover. And I, I think this is kind of where I'm at with him like at least on the ball is that he kind of has to, like, I don't think he's going to be good on quick guards mm-hmm. on like quick shifty guards. Uh, he's a guy to me more so that I'm going to want to see guard up positionally uh, because he is a little bit heavy footed. Um, and I think that, you know, if he can kind of guard some of the the bigger guys who aren't as quick that's going to be beneficial for him um this this possession here um you know like he he was that jordan miller i think like mm-hmm. on miami uh he does a good job of like getting back in the play uh and, and he uses that you see his length here mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. he, he's fighting he's he's yeah, giving effort contest, right yeah you know good contest um you know there's another possession that uh i'm gonna 
pull up to highlight against Jordan Miller, where it's actually uh, Jordan Miller makes the shot, tough shot mm-hmm. by him. Um, so, so <laughs> good job by Jordan Miller, yeah. but it's good. It's ultimately like good defense. I mean, you know, that's mm-hmm. good contest, but it it's like a six shot, six shot great shot. Uh, but I it's, like him, but it's it's slow. Yeah. He's got yeah. some he's got some shit to him. Mm-hmm. Side um, sorry, but yeah. He's got some shit to him. Yeah. But like, you know, there are also times where he's like really undisciplined. He reaches a lot. Like he gambles. Uh you know, and he's got like decent steal numbers, um steal percentages, but he he does tend to just kind of like uh let me reach in and and like try to create a play rather than um like just play positionally and sound. So you could tell, you could kind of see the youth there. We have to remember he is eight, only 18 years old. He's, you know, pretty, he's, I mean, he's very young uh, for, for the class, but I think ultimately what we're talking about, whether it's on the ball, off the ball, there's a lot of stuff that he does have to fix. Like even here, he makes the right rotation and don't get me wrong. That's a big boy coming down the lane here, (laughs) but he, again, back to that kind of, um, him being adverse to, to physicality doesn't even make a play to kind yeah. of contest on the ball. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of soft. That that's the kind of stuff at the NBA level. Yeah, you're sitting yeah, on the bench. You're yeah, sitting on the bench. That's some camera editor type of stuff. Um, but no, I, I'm shots <laughs> fired. <laughs> hey, there's a reason why he didn't play for Tibbs. Okay, but um, <laughs> I, I will say this, Corey. I I just you know I brought this up before, but like w- watch watch his bad clips, man. Like 98 percent of them, he's just completely flat footed, and like as you mentioned, heavy footed, really just not able to like. Well, not not that he's not able to, but just like he's not really flipping hips. He's not really being like aggressive with his feet and trying to stay light and active with that. And and, and it's funny because like I'm doing this write up right now on Jaime Hawkins, and like I'm. I'm watching Jaime Hawkins and I'm like Jaime Hawkins doesn't have the lightest feet either like he is a little heavy footed and he does struggle against smaller guards but he's got effort you know and like these quicker guards will you know get him off balance and he'll kind of go flying the wrong way sometimes but because of his strength and his length and his IQ he can guard up yeah. and, and do a good job against that's, you know that's the biggest difference like yeah like Jaime it's it's the feel yes you know yes. just like where to be positionally how he's yeah. the 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 anticipation of how he's got to move to, to kind of maybe if he is making up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff. And, and look, Jaime is a, a senior. A, yeah. He's a senior. Dariq is a, an 18 year old freshman right. come back from an injury. So there, there's that to worry about, but at the same time, uh, like at least, you know, again, going back to this AJ Griffin comp that people want to, you know, put on AJ where people are like, Oh, AJ was so terrible last year. And I honestly disagreed you know, uh, like big time. Um, not to say that AJ was great last year, but I thought that some of the like athletic plays, the agility that he was able to show, um, how well he was able to slide when, when he was doing it and how much ground he covered with his body and, and his quick movement and his wingspan. Like that's the kind of stuff that you haven't even really seen flash with Dariq. A lot of Dariq's good defensive possessions are him using his strength and and his length up top. And I think Gregory Castillo in the, in the chat makes a really good point. His upper body looks like it wants to move good, but his feet say nah, fam. And I think that's a really adept point in that uh, it, it, he's going to have to lighten up for sure. 
but a lot of it is just he just has never really had quick feet. There's something about him, even in the high school level, where it was like there wasn't this inherent smoothness to the way that he he is on he moves on the court. Some guys glide, and those are the kind of guys that I I really love and I get behind. Um, Dariq's not that, so he's got work to do. And look, you got to make quick decisions yeah. in the NBA. It's not just like oh, I'm the low man and I could pack you know the the balls on you know, the, the, the wing, I could just stand in the paint waiting for the role. Like you got to get in and out in the NBA. There's a lot of different things that you're going to have to learn. It's going to be an uphill battle for him. I think, I think, you know, fans are going to have to be really patient with him on the floor because as good as he might be as a spot up shooter and he might be coming in and knocks down, knocks down a breeze and then he gets pulled and a fan base is gonna be like, why the hell is Dariq getting pulled when he's shooting so well? And it's like, well, cause he's, you know, causing uh, a ton of, you know, harmful possessions yeah. on the other end. Yeah. Um, now I'm with you, man. I, I think just kind of going back to your original point, like it, it's, uh, He's going to be a tough evaluation. I, I, I think mm-hmm. we're just if people are listening to this pod in its totality, like we've kind of been all over the map too in terms of how we feel about him. In my opinion, yeah, like I feel like we no for sure. Like, at times we're like, damn, look at this, and then the next <laughs> moment we're like, the fuck are you watching? You know, like it's <laughs> such a wide variance in terms of like our reactions even to the tape, and I think that's why I sometimes I don't envy NBA front office guys because it's like, what do you do with a kid of this type of you know, evaluation? And it, remind, it reminds me a lot of Zaire Williams a couple of years ago, like you and I, we did that pod and we were like, okay, this is nice, but also what the hell is this? And that is going to be really tough. So good luck NBA teams. Yeah. Zaire, Zaire kind of came to my mind as well. And I, I like, and, and I guess that comes back to the point of, well, where are you taking him? And, and it, like, if you want to say, um, I don't know, let's say, you know, the, the Nets have two picks back to back at 21, 22, and you want to take a shot at them there with one of your picks. I think that that's something that I could see being a good bet. But if like, you're saying like, I don't know, I can get Case and Wallace at, at 12, and I'm choosing between a guy like that and a guy like Dariq, that's where things get tricky. Now, a yeah. guy, an interesting conversation is like, does Nick Smith actually fit more into this Dariq conversation rather than these lottery guys? Uh, but there are a lot of guys up top that like still have, maybe I have question marks, but at least I could see uh, more potential in the... Uh, because there's a lot of questions with Dariq that I'm not confident he's going to be able to answer. But there is a point in the draft where I go, all right, like you could talk me into, you know, taking Dariq. Now, I don't think I would go there, but you could talk me into Dariq over a guy like Jordan Hawkins, who you're also going to be considering to be mainly a shooter, but doesn't necessarily have the same size as Dariq. Now, I think, Jordan Hawkins, the way that he creates shots off the ball is absolutely fucking bonkers. And, you know, it puts him in a different stratosphere than a lot of these shooters. But I get the debate at that point. 
Mm -hmm. But Corey, I also want to throw this in there kind of as like an aside, but also like we talked about Jordan Hawkins and we liked him better on the defensive side of the ball too. Like as, as good of a shooter as he is, like even on the defensive and some of his off ball stuff, we're like, damn, look at the effort, you know, look at the energy here. So, so you know what? I didn't say it before, like earlier, we, we, we skimmed over it because, you know, uh, uh, as, um, uh, Gregory says the, the Duke Illuminati got me. You know, having me cut out a couple of times, but the when we go into the if you had ten dollars to invest in Derek segment, I was gonna have Jordan Hawkins, Derek, and Colby Jones because Colby Jones is like for the a team, right? It's like safe guy, not super flashy, upperclassman, probably not gonna be super exciting for your fan base if you draft him. Where people are going to be like, Dariq was on the board. Are you kidding me? We could have got Dariq. He's 18. He's this five-star Montverde superstar. And that's when you start going like, well, maybe the smart franchise is actually taking Colby over him. Or maybe the injury stuff is real. People are going to overthink it. And Dariq shows that he should have been a lottery pick down the line. That's a viable option too. And like you said, that's why front offices get paid the big bucks. God, do you want me to answer the question with the, the $10? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 because uh, it's time for yeah. us to uh, get into our comp. So if you're buying stock in Derek Whitehead, who may you have bought stock in previously? This was one of the hardest ones I've ever done, Corey. Like mm-hmm. I just because of everything that we've said, I'm not going to repeat everything, but we are clearly even we don't know what we feel about this guy. I put Jay Crowder um, as an example of what he may become. And the reason why I put Jay Crowder, it was like, okay, like what is Jay Crowder? Um, He has become a veteran wing who um, I think at this point in his career, the defense is a little overrated. Uh, The shooting is a little overrated, but at his peak was a three and D high end guy who played in a lot of big playoff games, um, offered a lot of toughness. Um, I think if Derek can get the defense sorted to a certain level, then he could start to, you know, we could start to think about him in that type of role. And And look, Corey, I don't think it's bad to compare him to a Jay Crowder type because if somebody told you that you would get Jay Crowder's career back when he was drafted and you took him 25th, I think a lot of people would have signed up for that. He'd have been a lot. If you, if you redraft, he's a lottery pick. Exactly. I mean, longevity, all that stuff. And he's played in so many big games. Um, I I just feel like it's, this is not me being generous in terms of my comp for Derek, but I do feel like it could be an outcome for his career. So I have three, names and three outcomes i think you know one of the things that jay crowder does have on him though is size yeah of course but ultimately that kind of role so the first name whenever he dribbles i can't help but to think of lance stevenson (laughs) and lance was like a good play had like good playmaker now i think Dariq is a much better shooter but oddly enough i feel like they kind of shoot with similar form yeah i know (laughs) you know and and Derek is gonna have to prove that he can make these shots, um, you know, at the NBA level. So that was one. And I think s- both strong shooting guards, physic, you know, should be physical guys. When Lance was like cooking, it might have been a little out of control sometimes, but it was kind of dangerous. 
you know, and and if he can just be like a slightly tamed version of Lance, uh, that's you know that's a guy who's who could be pretty good. Another name, Alec Burks. I don't hate that. I like yeah, that one. Actually, it's like it's not a good player. He's a good player. Like good he, player. not super sexy. If you were like, hey, Derek Whitehead's gonna be <laughs> Alec Burks, but like he's a guy that coaches like. You know, he, you know, he could shoot it, he could pass a little bit. Alec Burks, Knicks legend. Yeah. Um, and then kind of the third guy, and this is more of role, like shorter Michael Porter Jr. Okay. Okay. I don't think anybody's going to be bragging about Michael Porter Jr.'s defensive instincts, but the dude shoots the fuck out of the ball. A lack thereof, but yeah. You know, and like if, if Derek can play off of, maybe not Jokic necessarily, but a, this, you know, a, a creator who's going to be setting him up for shots and looks that could be valuable. And, you know, if you're talking about a guy who doesn't have the back issues, you know, it, maybe there's something there. So I don't know. It, it was a hard one to pin down, but I think there are a few different outcomes now, you know, notice I didn't say like James Harden. Cause like, yeah. I, I just don't, I don't oh. think that outcome is there for him. Uh, I don't think that high end superstar, probably even all star outcome is is realistic. And I think that, you know, with a guy like Dariq, maybe there's a point in the draft where you bet on the upside. But I think most front offices are going to approach it like what is his median outcome and how valuable is that at, at least higher up in the lottery? Like, is that worth taking um, if he if we miss? Yeah, because yeah. I think the Grizzlies are probably regretting going for the home run swing in Zaire when. Trey Murphy was right there for the taking and did exactly what they wanted Zaire to do at this point. I think Corey, the comps that you came up with, and also like for me, I even thought of guys like Robert Covington, Josh Richardson, these types of guys too. And mm-hmm. I think like, not, once again, not one for ones, but you know, yeah, Josh Richardson's interesting. Yeah. Just because like, you know, like I, I don't think you and I are being too harsh in with these comps like i I think it's very possible that he turns out to be that type of player and then like you know my rebuttal to anyone who says that we're haters is that these are guys that are still in the league still playing now still collecting contracts and paydays and i don't see how that's disrespectful like these are guys who've played for a long time have maybe not illustrious careers but they've stuck around and they're still playing and i think that means something too you know we're not saying that we think he's going to be a bust we just don't think he's going to be james harden and i don't think that's a crazy thing to say i don't think so either and with that said it's time for you to 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 sell me on derek whitehead uh, <laughs> i'm uh an nba front office you have to sell me this pen on derek whitehead you're banging the table you're the guy who believes in him. Give me your best elevator pitch. Um, I love Corey so much because he, he never lets me get complacent. He always challenges me to be a better man. And so here's a big challenge for me. Here we go. Derek Whitehead. Hello. Um, Daryl Morey. Um, I'm here to talk to you about Derek Whitehead. And here's, here's the thing, you know, he's a guy who 
struggle with injury his freshman season. He's a guy who, you know, is younger uh, on the younger end at 18. He'll be like 18.8 years old. Uh, don't know why we use the decimal points when we're talking about players ages, but here we are. Um, he's a guy who had to go through a bit of an adjustment, getting used to his new body and injuries and new setting and all that. But the baseline stuff is there. He's got a pure looking jump shot uh, when he can get his feet sorted. The jumper does look good, does look repeatable. He will be an option as a floor spacer for your NBA team. Um, but he's also a guy that you're going to want to invest in, a guy that you're going to want to develop. You're going to want to put your developmental staff real close to him and next to him and working with him during practice because he, he's got some potential. Uh, he's a guy who has some passing vision and feel to him defensively. We feel like he could be a guy that develops into a good to above average type of defender with the right type of coaching and you know discipline kind of getting in there. Uh, but overall, he's a guy that is worth a flyer when we're talking about the late lottery early teens um sorry not early late teens but early 20s he's a guy that you might want to invest in and see develop over the years because he's young he's been through a trans transitional phase um but he's got some strong gifts that you know may turn out to be a really good nba player you you did it <laughs> you did it um and i think that's got to be the pitch for him man you know like has some tools yeah. He's very young. Dealt with a little injury. Uh-huh. <laughs> Albert was so shook by his own uh <laughs> sell me this pen segment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh thank you for everybody in the chat watching live. Thank you for everybody who is listening on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. If you were listening on the podcast feed, make sure that you, you know, rate us. Five stars would be dope. Share share the pod. That's, you know, always helpful. Make sure you lock in tomorrow for Tyler and Tyler, uh, with the no ceilings pod. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to be back as always next week with another episode. We have a lot of really fun stuff planned for this entire draft cycle that we're excited about. It's heating up. It's March madness. Shit, man. What a time to be alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good time. It's a good time. And, uh, you know, Corey, I will segue this into where you can find me. Um, you can find me at Alberto Gim on Twitter is where you can find me. You can also find me um, on Instagram at GTGNBA. Um, shouts to Gregory, Gregory Castillo saying that uh, I deserve the Supermax <laughs> for that Sell Me This Pen segment. Um, at the end of it, I was going to say, do you guys want like a used car or a snake oil with that one uh, on the side? But um, I, I, I really appreciate um, doing this pod. Uh, and it's a fun season. As Corey said, we have a lot going on tomorrow, or actually by the time this pod drops, uh, my Jaime Hawkins Jr. Uh, piece will be out. And I compared him to uh, one of the characters on The Office because that's what I do. I like to get weird and I like to talk about random things. But I hope you guys enjoy it because Jaime Hawkins is a guy that I absolutely love. I think he's going to be an awesome NBA player. I don't think he's, well, like the conversation we had about Derek Whitehead, I think you have to kind of temper and recalibrate the role that you see him playing and then you'll see the beauty in his game is the ultimate point that i made we love jaime we did an episode on him last draft cycle when we thought he could come out but had to come back to ucla to get that la nil money um but go to no ceilingsmba.com and subscribe so you get that delivered to your inbox uh i wrote about anthony black this week uh on how he's you know kind of the ultimate connector in this draft and, and those guys have gone really high over the last few drafts and i think anthony black is going to be the guy who who rises in the in the same vein this year 
Um, it's free. It'll get delivered to your inbox Monday through Friday. We got page right now. So the site's fire firing on all cylinders, man. So, uh, you can follow me at Corey Teleba on Twitter at no ceilings, NBA on all the stuff until next time. We're out. Peace. Peace.